today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. God can close doors that maybe you want to stop persevering on it, okay, after a while. Now, I I need to tell you this, too. In in light of all of this, there are some doors he means for you to continue to knock on. And there are some doors that are open that he does not intend for you to go through. Because I believe the enemy sometimes can open doors. Opens up opportunities. Oh, this looks great. Doesn't this look marvelous? Doesn't this look wonderful? Lord, do you want me to go there? No, but it sure looks nice. So be careful. It's not just a closed door. It's not just an open door on these things. Have you ever been so completely sure of God's will for your life only to find out that you were wrong? There may be times when you see how a certain situation lines up perfectly with all your wants and needs. That makes the situation all the more enticing to us. Pastor David wants to encourage us through each and every door. Whether it's a closed door or an open door, the Lord is with us. He knows what's best for us, even if we don't agree. If we had hindsight in every situation, they'd be easier to handle. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 3 with today's edition of The Open Word. This Philadelphia that we're looking at here, it was along the travel routes there in its time, linked to Pergamum on the north, Laodicea on the south, Smyrna on the east, and then the Mediterranean Ocean on the west side. And it was the crossroads, and a lot of travel, a lot of uh, merchants that went through there at these crossroads, all of the east-west, all of the north-south, travel through the province of Asia Minor at that time went through the city of Philadelphia. Uh, again, because it was a crossroad, it was very, very active as an outpost for Hellenism. And Hellenism is, is Greek culture, Greek language. And again, uh, Philadelphia was, was filled with that. And as we look, as we understand the history of that Years ago, a millennia before the time of Christ, the, the, the king of Pergamum actually founded Philadelphia as kind of an outpost for his realm. Uh, again, as kind of a, a protective outpost for him. A lot of things going on within that town. In New Testament times, Philadelphia was part of the, the Roman province of, of Asia. Let's take a look at that. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read the whole thing about uh, the church of Philadelphia, and then we'll go back and uh, take it apart and look at it a little bit. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. 
For you have a little strength, and you've kept my word, and you've not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my commandment to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole earth, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. First of all, as we've gone through the city, we know that the one who's speaking here, as he says, and to the angel of the church, it's the Lord Jesus. As he's dictating to the apostle John, while John is in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And on this day, the, the Lord in, comes and gives him this vision and, and speaks to him and these messages to these seven churches. And again, as, as he gives the message on this one, he gives it to the one, to the angel, which can also be the messenger. We understand that it could be the one who is over, uh, whether it be a pastor over it or someone who's going to send out the message to these churches. It's, it's really not uh, 100% clear uh, exactly who this one is. And I know that most of our um, English Bibles translate it as angel, but the word there can actually just as easily be translated as the messenger, to the messenger of that church, the church or churches of Philadelphia. A city of its size, it could have had a multitude of house churches that come together on a, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, more likely than not, we find in these cultures, not the big mega churches like we have today, just simply because persecution was so strong during that time. It's, number one, it would be difficult to get a building that big, and number two, for that many people to all come together. So many times they're in small house churches scattered around. And the message, we know, it comes from Jesus Christ. And what does he say? These things says what? He who is holy. Here we have that Greek word, hagios. And hagios, with with its most basic of understanding, it has that meaning of being physically pure or morally blameless. It has that kind of an idea. But it also, when, when we speak of it in the spiritual realm, it also means that one, that hagios, that, that, that holy one, it's one who is dedicated to God or dedicated to some religious purpose. So not only is he holy, but we also see another descriptive adjective of who Christ is when he says, he that is true, he that is true. And again, the Greek word there, alethanos, uh, has the understanding of the definition, that which is real and verifiable by experience. Real and verifiable by experience. I could probably go around the room tonight and ask for a show of hands in lives that can verify that the Lord is, again, verifiable. 
that again. He has, he has been true in your life. You've seen him work. You, you've experienced his work in your life. That his word is true and he remains true. That he does not lie. If he declares it, he'll perform it. So again, he who is holy, he who is true is who's speaking. So along with that idea, the, 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 the description there, we know that Christ is the truth. Amen? He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Being God, he has divine authority, truth, and life. In addition, the life of Christ, filled with truthfulness and complete reliability. When we commit our lives wholly and completely to him, and we quit trying to, uh, again, steer our own ship, you know, uh, You've seen, you've seen the bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. Okay. You need to cross out co. Okay. You need to move over. Let him be in the main seat. Okay. You, you don't need to be navigator. Probably the best thing you need to do is get in the back in the passenger seat and go for the ride. Okay. Cause you're going to be less likely to mess it up. Okay. Well, I, I know in my life, you know, we, we get to points and times. Oh, I understand what you're doing, Lord. Thank you. I see what you're doing. I can take it from here. What's the results of that? Usually crash and burn, and, and usually collateral damage along the way. So the best thing is, is, Lord, every step, step by step, you lead me, step by step. There's a, another descriptor given of Jesus in this verse. Here he says, not only is he holy, not only is he true, but he's also the one who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts, and no one opens. And this actually is, 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 is a quote from Isaiah, going back to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. We read these words, and actually these words refer to a man by the name of, of Eliakim. Now, Eliakim, who was the son of Hilkiah, uh, I won't go into the whole story, but because of the sin of a guy by the name of Shebna, who was his predecessor, Eliakim is then promoted to become the finance minister for King Hezekiah. Now, Eliakim was just doing the right thing at the right time. He's just being faithful in the little things. And the guy that was above him, Shebna, suddenly he starts sinning in his life and things start going wrong. And so God says, you know what? Boom, you're out of here. And now Eliakim has been promoted. And so Isaiah writes these words about Eliakim. In Isaiah 22, uh, verse 20, he says, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe. He's speaking to Shebna. I'm going to clothe him with your robe, and I'm going to strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And then here's where the saying is, or where the quote is. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. But he goes on, he says, I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place. And he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the posterity. 
all vessels of small quantity, from the cups to all the pitchers. This was a word, this idea of having the key of David, he who opens, no one shuts, shuts, no one opens. This is a word of, first of all, of blessing and honor to someone who's shown themselves to be faithful. They've done what they're supposed to do. And, and, and in his life prior to this, it wasn't major things, but because he was faithful in what God had him to do at that point in time, God promoted him. Man, beloved, that, that's the best way to get promoted, amen? Let God be your promoter. But it's also the language that, that speaks of authority and, and speaks of control. It really is, as we see, the keys of the house of David or the key of David. It, it's a position of, of regal power. It's a, it's a position of unlimited access. If, if David has the key to his, to his kingdom or to his castle, to his home, what room is David not allowed to go in? None. He has full access. In the same way with Christ, the key of David, opening doors that no one's going to shut, shutting doors that no one's going to open. If Christ has that kind of authority and that kind of power, then you know what? In your life and in my life, I need to, again, completely be trusting him in everything. I can't... You see my forehead, how far back it is? If you looked at me sideways, you'd see that it's kind of flat on there, too. From so many times of banging my head against the wall or against the door that the Lord shut. I can't tell you. I mean, uh, I, I continually go back to the story because it was so real and it lasted so long. When we were looking for a place to meet long before we got this building, we were looking all over town for a place for a little fellowship. We were about, I don't know, 35, 60 people somewhere in there. And we were looking, and the, the, the outlet mall down here uh, behind Cracker Barrel, it was empty. It was a ghost town. There was nothing there. And so we went, and we, oh, we, we got the key from him. We went in there, and I think Robert and I, we took masking tape. We measured out. Look, we could build an auditorium. Man, we could put like 80 people in this auditorium. How cool is that? And then, you know, over here can be Sunday school classrooms. We had it all laid out on there. And then they came back and said, no, we don't want a church in in the in the in the mall we don't want a church because a church would kill the mall i looked around and i said but it's already dead it's already dead but they so you know we we kept going and we kept going and 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 i kept saying man why won't they let us do this why won't they let us do this and i pushed on this pushed on this thing and it just it, it just never did open my wife for months was saying you know what just let it go apparently the lord doesn't want you yes he does he just wants me to persevere persevere and so I pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. And finally, guess what? That wasn't where God wanted us. Because it wasn't too long after that that he opened this building up, this property up. God can close doors that maybe you want to stop persevering on it, okay, after a while. Now, I need to tell you this, too. In light of all of this, there are some doors he means for you to continue to knock on. And there are some doors that are open that he does not intend for you to go through. Because I believe the enemy sometimes can open doors. Opens up opportunities. Oh, this looks great. Doesn't this look marvelous? Doesn't this look wonderful? Lord, do you want me to go there? No, but it sure looks nice. 
So be careful. It's not just a closed door. It's not just an open door on these things. But Christ has that possibility, the ability to be able to lock that door that no one's going to open or open a door in your life that no one's going to shut. And that's why every step of our way, we make our plans, but what? The Lord directs our paths. Okay. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So again, open doors, closed doors. Let the Lord be the one that does that. The key of David allows full access throughout the entire kingdom. And here, the Lord Jesus declares that he has that key. And with that key comes full unlimited authority throughout all of his kingdom to be able to open or to shut where no one else can do those things in our lives. That's why, Lord, if it's of you, then give us the strength to go through. Lord, if it's not of you, we don't want to go there. What did Moses say? Moses told the Lord, Lord, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. We'll we'll stay right here at this very place if you're not in it. In our lives, there's going to be come those times when it just seems absolutely impossible. Sometimes the situation we find ourselves in, it seems absolutely hopeless. And there's absolutely no way to go. Remember, the Lord Jesus is the one who holds those keys. So it's not by your wisdom. It's not by your might. It's by the Spirit of God. Allowing him to work in your lives. I think we would put the ulcer doctors out of business as far as Christians are concerned if we would just learn to trust the Lord more. Christians are, you know, again, we're we're just as guilty as anyone else of worrying and fretting and striving and pushing when really and truly our lives ought to be much more at peace and at ease. Lord, if you want us to have that, that's, that's the way we are with this radio station right now. $96,000, that's ridiculous. I mean, we, we don't have that money, you know. Uh, so if God wants us to have it, hey, they're going to gonna have to do something. He's going to have to do something through their hearts. And that's exactly the way that we're going through that. But God can and God will also block our ways sometimes. Sometimes this deals with with the enemy blocking the way so that the enemy can't get to us. But there's other times that it deals with our own choices, that we're making stupid decisions in our lives, and God literally brings that hedge around us that doesn't let us get any further or any deeper than than where we're at. And again, I can attest to that in, in my life, and I'm not going to go into the details, so forget it. But I can tell you that, that there's been times that God literally put that hedge of protection around me because I was making some really stupid decisions in my personal life. He can block our way because he knows what the real outcome is going to be for us. And sometimes we we even think that we're doing the right thing. We think that we're doing it all for his glory, and yet it's not what the Lord would have us to do. But it makes sense in our brains, and so we keep pushing forward. And God throws these blocks there. And those are the times when, again, that that idea, thank God for unanswered prayers, you know, uh, comes into play. So now the one who has the keys gives a word to the church there in Philadelphia. In verse 8, 
He says, I, I, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. So the one who has the keys to open the door has opened that door, and no one's going to shut it. For you have a little strength. And he says, you've kept my word, and you've not denied my name. Jesus is declaring to them right now that right now in front of them as a church, there, there's an opportunity for them to continue on again in the testimony of their lives to the community that's around them. And again, this church, we're going to see it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a big church by any means. As a matter of fact, it's kind of small. They don't have a whole lot of influence. We understand that. They have a little strength. They've been faithful, kept the word, not denied his name. He said, right now there's, there's this open door. They were located in this city again that was, there was crossroads of so much that was going on there. How much impact they would have in that community if they just lived their lives for Christ in their business transactions, in their uh, uh, community actions and activities, if they just live their lives to the glory and the honor of Christ, according to his word, again, being willing to be wronged in order that Christ might get the glory. Say, so, well, the Bible doesn't say that. Yes, the Bible does say that. Again, the fullness of our lives. They had foreign missions actually coming to them. Now, now, you know, we, we, we pay people that are out in foreign missions. Uh, Susan Staples is here in the States right now. A couple of weeks she's going to be sharing a little bit about, you know, what the Lord's been doing. Uh, she's down in Tucson right now. We support her as a missionary, uh, over in Thailand. We support other missions, uh, in other parts of the world. We, we send mission teams out. We sent mission teams over to the Philippines to, again, bless the people over there and to minister to them. But do you realize how many missions foreign missions opportunities we have right here without leaving home. The the foreign students that we have out at CAC that, that flood into there for their different programs, it's phenomenal. Uh, Robert, and, and only a couple more, I wish more from our fellowship would get involved with it. Just about every week, they're going to the Middle East and ministering to Muslims by going up to Phoenix at a mosque just outside of ASU and just interacting, just talking. They're not there with signs that say all Muslims are going to burn in hell. No, they're there interacting with these men and with these women about what they believe and about what the Bible declares and speaks. Is it sometimes uncomfortable, Robert? Yeah, sometimes it can be. But there's also great victories that they've seen there. And beloved, some of those students that are going to ASU are going to be heading back to the Middle East where you can't get into. But yet they come over here, foreign missions right at our doorstep. Did you know that uh, not not uh, maybe three miles down the road here at Francisco Grande is the Grande Sports Facility? They have world-class lacrosse. They have world-class soccer they have golf training there. They have people from all over the world going out there to tennis, or I mean to soccer clinics, to lacrosse clinics, to uh, uh, games and everything. We have a mission field right in our own backyard that, again, as the Lord gives vision and 
again, the, the people to, to do that, to just go out there and minister and hang out with these people from all over the world. The letters to the churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 repeat the phrase, to the one who overcomes, followed with a promise centered in God's goodness to his people. What does overcoming look like for you today? Maybe it's just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, and going out into life. Maybe it's continuing to sing his praises even through a tough circumstance. Maybe overcoming today is holding on to that small hope that tomorrow can be a better day in your marriage. Take some time today to check out those promises, remembering to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. We know that life is tough, but doing life in community can make even the hardest situation more bearable. With that in mind, here's Pastor David with an invitation for you. Hey, if you're in the Casa Grande area and you're looking for a church to attend, I'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At 6.30 p.m., we meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday evenings. You can find directions and a little more about the church by visiting theopenword.com. Follow the links at the bottom of the page to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I'm excited to have you be a part of our time of Bible study and fellowship. Our website, one more time, is theopenword.com. Information about the church is at the bottom of that page, the link for Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Thanks, Pastor David. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Pastor David still has much to share, though, so be sure to tune in again to continue walking verse by verse through Revelation. That's right here on The Open Word. Make-